In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. In the winter of 2014, a new wave of style, of decorum, and all things proper hit the airways on PBS. The show, Downton Abbey? No. I'm talking about the Great British Bake Off. The show starring Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood, this show guides amateur bakers into seemingly unattainable baking challenges, always with very strict time limits. Many shows go exceedingly well, but occasionally we see drama. Cakes don't rise, the icing melts, the oven was never turned on. There simply was no time left, or the wrong flavoring was used. Uh-oh. All of this stuff could be a recipe for disaster. And one of the worst disasters ever on the show happened in season three, when the baker John Waite put salt in the recipe instead of sugar rendering his dessert completely inedible. In fact, it was so horrific, Mary, the show's host, wouldn't even taste it. But what about salt? Any good baker will tell you that salt is absolutely required in a recipe. Yes, even sweet treats need salt. Salt plays a crucial role in the chemistry of baking. In bread making, for example, salt strengthens the gluten's binding power in the dough to hold everything together. In pastry making, salt keeps the pastry from feeling slimy and oily. But in all baking, salt is about making food delicious. So Jesus uses this phrase when he calls his disciples salt of the earth. He's obviously not talking about baking. He's talking about having some kind of characteristic, some type of flavor, a zest for living, and an energy about life, something that reveals to the world that the disciples are in fact living in the kingdom of God here and now. In this reading, what we don't hear is at the beginning of this passage in the gospel, Jesus is on the, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, preaching the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers, and so on and so forth. And so that's what, and that, and that is called the Sermon on the Mount. And this passage that we hear today is called the Sermon on the Mount as well. This is part of the sermon too. He's giving his followers a pick-me-up. He tells everyone that they are not because of their birthright or because of their belief system or because of their faith background or their ethnicity or because of anything. He's telling them that they are the ones who are the salt of the earth, the binding force of healing in the world the ones who create savory environments, the ones who offer a new finish onto existing structures, the ones who make life so much more palatable 
in the world for everyone. Now, the hearers that of the, from the very first century, the, the early hearers of this, heard a part of the story that we don't entirely get in the year 2020. Now, let's, let's reflect. The Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake. It's not really a sea at all. It's called that to imagine it as some grandiose body of water, but it is a freshwater lake, and there is no salt there. And we know that the ancient world needed salt to preserve food, occasionally to do things like to clean or to disinfect things. And in this region specifically, you needed salt to formulate the most sought-after product from the fish of the Sea of Galilee. You see, in that region, they made a sauce that was this fermented fish sauce called garum. Believe it or not, I read about this this week, and actually the concept of ketchup is derived from what garum was because before tomatoes were popular, in the Middle Ages, ketchup was made from a fish sauce. Anyway, so they, they made this fish sauce called garum, and they made it in this region, and they sent it all up and down this road that ran right alongside the Sea of Galilee called the Via Maris. It went from Egypt in the south all the way up to Mesopotamia. This sauce was then taken and literally sold over the entire known world. We know that even at the time of Jesus, this stuff was created in Galilee and people in Spain were consuming it. And here in today's reading, Jesus is preaching to thousands of people on the side of this hill and they all can identify with the need for salt to maintain their careers. So Jesus tells them that they need to be the salt bearers to everyone they encounter, wherever they go, whether they be local people or people thousands of miles away. Being the salt of the earth brings new life to not only your local community, but being the salt of the earth changes the entire known world. But what happens when the balance of salt isn't right? We know what happens in food when there's way too much salt. If we cook with too much salt, we get food that's practically inedible. And we even know this, that if we consume extreme amounts of salt, the salt is toxic to us. So if we look at being salt of the earth like Jesus uses the word, let's think about this. Personality-wise, we've probably seen people lately who are too salty for their own good. They're either domineering or overpowering or, quite frankly, toxic to be around. So toxic that you feel their presence to be detrimental to your own life to your own health, to your own well-being. I'm sure we know some people that might fit into this one extreme. But then there's, there's the other extreme. We also have people around us that are not salty enough. We have people who might contain some salt that has, in Jesus' words, lost its taste. A powerful example of the danger of this flavorless salt 
is a story I read about that took place in the 1960s. In the 1960s, during much of the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. saw that a lot of his fellow ministers who were white were people who wanted to do the right thing, but would not take a formal stand on insisting on racial desegregation. In Dr. King's own words, it's a little tough to hear, but I think we need to be reminded of this. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the African-American man's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the White Citizens Council or the KKK, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. I can only imagine Dr. King's frustration. In his time, his times presented a great deal of seemingly insurmountable challenges. True. But today, we still have challenges. And we all know, we know all too well the needs of the world keep increasing day by day. And the sufferings of many people seem to become more and more insurmountable every day. The church, the community of Christ's disciples needs to be reminded from time to time that we can very much run the risk of having good intentions while attempting a life that seems to be run on salt whose sodium content has completely lost its taste altogether. The conduct of our lives somehow disconnects from the convictions of our hearts. The conduct of our lives somehow disconnects from the convictions of our hearts. That beloved saltiness given by Jesus somehow loses its taste. Right now, this lack of saltiness plagues all of us. This lack of saltiness is what keeps us from finding the true acceptance of love and belonging in our life or in our church or in our society. And so at times we think that so social media will add saltiness to our lives and we end up getting too much and it starts poisoning us. This lack of saltiness keeps us in this inertia of just accepting things as they are without reflecting on what they actually might be if we took Jesus' words seriously. Think about the last time that you opened yourself up to develop a friendship or some type of relationship with someone who was a stranger, completely different from you in every way. What was that like? Different? Yeah. Different. But didn't it make your life in some way more abundant or you had a broader perspective or it gave you some type of new enrichment or new outlook on life? You started living your life with a little bit more flavor, right? This is all about the life that God has wanted all of us to imagine. It's about the life that 
where God takes the best things in us and shares them with the entire world, at work, at home, with our friends, in our neighborhood, everywhere. This saltiness that we're called into means that we have to take the work of loving God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, and make them two equal convictions that will guide everything we do and to not lose focus. Nothing is more important right now or ever. Nothing. To be salt of the earth for God means to get to know more about God's purposes, to develop a rich life, an inner life of daily prayer, of meditation, of reading scripture, to stop at literally nothing to hear that still small voice of God tell you deep down in your heart, I love you, and to believe that as your ultimate truth in life. And to be salt of the earth for your neighbors, well, there's a lot of that already going on, and we have a lot to be proud of. But Jesus doesn't just call us to be this salt for the people we know and love. Jesus also wants us to be this salt of the earth for the the grumpy person at the gas station. Or the guy you meet at some point who lives under a bridge. Or the person who you can't stand because you think they're filled with hate speech. Your salty presence can actually heal all of these wounds. And somehow, maybe just a little bit, be like that salt in bread that binds, that connects, that actually emulsifies a situation and unites another human being to that same still small voice that you found inside of you, that calls you beloved, to that same still small voice that you are getting to know. Your presence, your persona, your existence might just be the catalyst that makes a difference in a person's existence. The salt that you have in you might actually bring another human being back from death into life again. Being salt, my friends, is extremely important work in today's world. Just as Jesus gathered that crowd and saw that potential in that crowd of fishermen and fishmongers and merchants and traders and peasants in that tiny, very forgotten corner of the Roman Empire, Jesus sees potential in you. You have something to offer. You can contribute to boosting the life of another human being or another community of people in ways in which you you haven't really fully imagined, but you can do this. You have a potential of love, of offering belonging, of offering support and affirmation in bold ways that haven't yet been fully formed, but you have this capability in you because Jesus, who calls you beloved, has given it to you, and all you have to do is offer what you have. Now is the time. It's the best time. The best time for you to be the salt that binds your heart to another person's heart, to God's heart. That's life in the kingdom of God. And we can all do this right here and right now. 
Offer yourselves the salt that you are to be the unifier, the healer, the one who loves this world into a blessed existence that Jesus calls the kingdom of God. It's here, right here. Be the salt that Jesus wants you to be.